Okay. Follow up to follow through. Okay, that's like the, the point of tonight's class. And uh, thank you for being here. And Father, bless our moments. Just uh, revive our spirits. Uh, and really show us the mystery of the church, Lord, in a, in a glimpse. Uh, we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you want to access this on your phones or on your computers, I, I highly recommend that you uh, work with this site a little bit because time will fail us to really go through um, all of the, uh, the material, okay? But before I even get started... I want you to think about the church, again, as a spiritual community, okay? I want you to think about the church as a spiritual community. Now, uh, the spiritual community is rooted and grounded in truth, amen? So, the New Testament church in this day and age is going to look a lot different than the world, and let me tell you this, as we near the rapture, I really believe that the church will survive based on its foundation. If the church tries to compete with the world, the church will become obsolete, irrelevant, and ineffective. Okay? But the church is not to compete with the world. What's the purpose of the church? What's the, what's the purpose of the church? Okay, save people from their sin. Share the gospel. Build people. Bring them to Christ. Being light and salt. Light, salt and light, good. What's the big D word? Good, discipleship, good. We are spiritual educators, okay? We are spiritual educators. We're not entertainers. We're a hospital. We're not a country club. Okay? So, the, the church, I believe, going towards the rapture will become smaller. The mega church, I believe, will not survive. And that's my personal opinion. But I believe, looking at Acts chapter 2, the church will become smaller, more mobile, and more effective. So if that means a church is between about 100 people, 150 people, that's great. And, uh, you know, if it's more than that, that's great too. It's a personal opinion. I think as persecution increases, the church will become smaller, more mobile, and more effective. Okay? And I have a whole thing on that if you want to ask me about that. Okay? But... We are a spiritual community. Remember last week we were talking about being in the moment with people. Amen? Amen. Okay, be in the moment. We're two or more gathered. There, there am I in the midst. I, want us to, I, don't, I don't want us to think necessarily big. I want us, us to think about effective and fruitful, right? The five fruitful aspects of the church, right? Do you remember what they are? What are they? Location. Uh, the five... For principles of a fruitful church. Radical hospitality. Passionate worship. Relevant message. Extravagant generosity. 
Risk-taking adventure. adventure. Good, mission adventure. Okay, those five pieces, that does not necessarily mean that the church has to be 1,000 people, 5,000 people. It can be 20 people. It can be 50 people. It can be... I don't, I don't want us to think like church is, is successful based on its numbers. To be honest, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, I'd rather speak a few words with understanding than many words with no understanding. I, I believe the same thing. Our church here in Baltimore is very unique. And I look at our church as a training center. I believe our church, by the grace of God, is a place that will, uh, yes, disciple people for this local area, yes, but I believe it's feeding the world, right? It's feeding the world. And as church planters, we're thinking the same way. So a spiritual community, right, where... Uh, we are, again, uh, we have a spiritual conversation, a spiritual rapport. And, and these are the three things that we want people to see in our churches, okay? These three things, okay? So number one, people want to be known. Known, okay? Now, they will not tell you that. They will often hide themselves, but the basic need of a person is significance, okay? Significance, okay? Now, oftentimes, uh, people will come into your church or in your conversation or in your Bible study, and they are looking to be known. And this is what we were talking about to the class, about meaningful contacts, Okay? Not that we will share our whole history, but we are going to learn those three things. What were the three things we said? We're going to... Listen to their story. Yes, listen to their story. Love them with God's story. Learn their story, good. And then love them with God's story, okay? Good. So being known, okay? Remember Jesus with the woman at the well? He had, he had a spirit of discernment, didn't he? And what, what did she say after a very short conversation? When she left her water pot, which is dramatic, right? Because that was her very important apparatus, right? Surely he is the Messiah. Surely, yes. But she said, what was her message to the, to the outside world? I know a man who's told me about my whole life. Yeah. Come and see and listen to the man that told me everything about my life. Everything, she said. Did he tell her everything? No. But Jesus discovered her. Okay? So this is, this is, this is an important... To be known in 1 Corinthians 2.2 2 means to, to see Christ in that person. We know nothing yet Christ and Christ crucified. But we are knowing them after Christ. You're going to find people that have been abused. They have come from broken homes. They have come from traumatic situations. They're going to give you their best face. But as you get to know them, talk to them, you're going to learn their story. And it's very important that we relate to them based in, in the finished work. And we speak to them in the finished work. And we are speaking to them maybe in a language they've never heard. Maybe they came, came from an authoritarian father. Maybe they came from a dismissive mother or an overbearing mother. Maybe, they came, maybe they're orphaned. Maybe they're 
whatever. They're, we are knowing them after Christ, right? So important. Number two, they are seeking to be loved. They will not tell you that, but another very basic yet key element of church life is to love them where they're at, okay? Our message is not conformity. It's not conformity, which means if you do this, this, and this, you'll be accepted. Or if you if you uh, come to this, do that, and and exercise in this way uh, according to my standards, then you'll be accepted. Okay, that is legalism, and that's actually an un that's an un uh, like an undertow to some of uh, people's ideas. This is not about conformity; it's about what. Yes, transformity. Yes, transform. So love doesn't demand a change. It produces a change, okay? That's a statement we've heard our whole Christian life, right? Love doesn't demand a change. What what does that mean? Okay, there's a new person in your church. They've got purple hair, earrings, and they've got a wild personality. What what am what what am I, what am I doing to them? Loving them, right? Knowing them. What? Kicking them out? Okay, you you know, Pastor Amir. Whoa, no. Uh, I have fun with people that are really different. I said, like, yeah, I love the hair. It's like just just speak to the elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? Man, I love those earrings. How many you got? You know, have, or tell me about your tattoos. I mean, those kind of expressions are actually better than the person that is perfect. They're kind of doing the Christian thing, and inside they're dying. Yes, Erhan. Uh, what about if we just uh, like we try to knowing that uh, person? We are just like emphasize that something that he has a different things like earrings or whatever. And then the, the, the young teenager in the church saw that and they say, well, maybe I can also have like that. Uh-huh. So like, how we are gonna balance this? I wouldn't worry about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, just love them where they are. It, you know, because if, I mean, let's put it this way. I remember Pastor Stevens, when uh, early on, uh, people would come into the church like hippies, right? And he'd let them just be in the church and wouldn't say anything about showers or cutting their hair for the first like two months, three months. He just let them be loved on. And you know what? The Holy Spirit prompted them to cut their hair. The Holy Spirit prompted them. So honestly, there's a culture in our church. The community has a culture. And there is such an accusation against the church of a judgmental, not our church, but I'm saying in general, the church, that the church is judgmental and um, very narrow. And I just think as we have the spirit of Christ, love, uh, there's freedom in the love. It doesn't mean that we're allowing everything to happen, but we're we're allowing people to come and be loved. And so being known means we show them their significance. Being loved, we show that they belong. They belong, okay? They belong, really important, okay? Now, remember... 
the church is a place where we're going to educate and disciple spiritually. So again, it's not going to be like free love. It's not going to be this like worldly understanding of what we're talking about here. But it's it's loving them where they're at. Not we're not asking them to conform. And then this is a big one, Psalm 142. They want to be cared for. And I want to read this here, Psalm 142. And I will say this because the church is such a safe place, we pray, for people to come. And I remember a gentleman uh, after church, and he was sitting there all alone in the chapel, and it was time to lock up, you know, it's time to lock the door. And he was sitting there alone, and I remember talking with him, and he says, you know what, I don't want to leave this chapel because there's so much peace here, and I don't have peace in my life. This is the only place I have peace. Isn't that amazing? So, um, you know, God is moving in our churches, right? Okay, so let's let's look at Psalm 142, uh, verse 3 and 4. It says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, and I would say this, that every person that walks through your door, every person that you have an encounter with, every person that we are building a spiritual community where Christ is paramount, most often we're in an age of, we're in an overwhelming age. We are. So when people come to the church or, or into your presence, um, God is going to give a message to help them. It says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path and the way in which I walked. They have secretly set a snare for me. I looked on my right side, my right hand, and saw that there was no one who acknowledged me, refuge failed me, and no one cared for my soul. Okay, that's the world, all three of those things. You see that? No one acknowledged me. Okay, that's a big one. The church is not to, to be in people's business like a busybody, but we want people to know, and this is what follow-up's all about, is we want them to know these three things, that they're known, loved, and cared for by God and by the grace of God, us, as much as they want. Like your spirit, your attitude, your actions uh, is revealing care. So look at this. Refuged failed me. Okay, that's a big one, right? No safe place. Okay? And I don't know about you, the default of our present world is brokenness. So the church, by the grace of God, should be a place of wholeness, should be a place of safety, should be a place where, hey, it's a judgment-free zone. Okay? That doesn't mean everything goes but it means you can come and belong and grow with us. Come grow with us. Okay? Love does not leave us where it finds us. Okay? Love does not leave us where it finds us. Love is messy. But love does one thing. Love looks forward. I want you to remember that. Love looks forward. That doesn't mean I'm blind or living in denial, but love is helping that person move forward, step into a new place to find refuge, to find care, and to find, and to find what he's saying here. 
acknowledgement. Okay, I mean it, it's it's a terrible thing to. Okay, let me tell you an interesting testimony, and these are not made up testimonies, by the way. <laughs> I was talking with a new family, and they came into our church through COVID season, and. Um, he said, I've been to a lot of churches in my life. He says, but I've been coming to your church for six months. And he says, I have known more people and have had interaction with more people than my whole Christian life. That's crazy. You'd think that every church is like this. And, but, and I'm not here to judge churches, but uh, a sticky church... And I love this term, like sticky rice. I love sushi, right? <laughs> sticky. A sticky church is a church that is following up to follow through, to love that person in their place. We're loving, we're looking forward. Someone will maybe come up to you and start telling you about their past, their sins and bad experience, and they're critical. And it's like, okay, I get it. I'm going to listen to that a little bit. But here, let's take a step forward together, okay? Let's not stay in our little puddle. Like my, my kid, I'll never forget him. When he was a little kid, he, he, got, he had my boots on him, and the boots went up to his knees, and he's like, he's going to the puddle, and he's had to be like three years old, and he's stomping on the puddles. Like, Psh. now what happens when you stomp in a mud puddle? What happens? Splash, Splash right? You get mud all over your whole body, right? People are going to want to splash in their mud puddles. We want to help them move beyond their mud puddles, okay? Like, I hear you. Let's pray on it. I'm not going to dismiss it. But we're, we're helping them move forward. Okay, I'm sorry you had a bad experience, but talking about it for two months is going to make it even worse, okay? We're not a perfect church, but we're imperfect people gathered around a perfect God, okay? That is it. We're imperfect. There's no perfect church. And if there was and I walked in it, I'd immediately be a problem in that church, right? But we want to help each other move forward. And this is why love looks forward. That's a, that's a key thought right there. Okay. All right, so let's look at resource B for a minute. These are three things that, that we want people to understand, and I want to touch on this for a minute. But isn't that good? Love looks forward. Okay. Now... There are balances to that, right? There's a balance to that. Like um, if, if someone is like a criminal, right, and they're running from the law, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to help them obey the law, right? I'm not going um, to be a fugitive, right, we could say. Uh, there's, okay, we don't want to do anything illegal, correct? But for the most part, for spiritually, a spiritual community, is we want them to know themselves after Christ, be loved in Christ, and be cared for. Care. What does care look like? What does care look like? Give me some words. Give me some words. Care. Phone call. Phone call. Yeah. Spending time. Spending time. Talk to me. Helping. Helping them. Good. Praying. Praying. Thank you. Like, okay, let me just say that, this is something about, like initiating, right, initiating something, right, like prayer. Okay, you, talk, you let them talk, but hey, okay, let's pray on this, right? Like you initiate the kingdom, good. What else? Encouraging. 
Encouragement, good. Don't assume that people are have been encouraged. Don't like like we stopped a guy in Atlanta not long ago on the park bench and he like was kind of looking at us like kind of his eyes kind of bugging out his head. And I said, I, after a few minutes, I said, are you all right? And he goes, he says, I can't believe you stopped and started talking to me. And I'm like, why can't you believe that? He says, he says, I don't think I'm worth anybody's time. I said, holy Lord, God Almighty, the Lord came for you. And if you were the only one on this planet, he would have come to you. It's like this guy was low. And at the end of the conversation, he's like, thank you for spending time with me. And I thought to myself, oh, my Lord. Like, it's that basic. It's that basic. Caring for people's soul. And it's crazy. We don't know what's going to speak to them. We just don't know. We just don't know. And it, what else does care look like? Visitation. Speaking to them. Speaking to them. Good. Visitation. Whoever said that? Do you say that? We're going there. You redeemed yourself. We're not throwing you out of class, guys. <laughs> How about touch? Yeah. Now, within reason, guys to guys, gals to gals, right? We don't want guys, like, hugging on gals and all that. And, like, by the way, I want to say something about that. Like, like, that's weird, you know what I'm saying? It's just plain weird if the guys smother the gals. And, and gals, you know, I'm sure the gals in the room here could tell us that, that that's kind of creepy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So touch means maybe, you know, there's a, <laughs> I have to say that, right? It's just some people get a little bit like, I knew a guy in the church at one time who wanted to kiss everybody. It's like, okay, you know, I, I go home and kiss your wife, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, use wisdom. That's all I'm going to say. Use wisdom. Um, oh, man, I can tell you a story about that. Okay, so when I first came to Bible school, I'll tell you a story. There was a guy in the church. Real sweetheart of a guy. I mean, I can't tell you anything except he walked up to me, didn't know me from Adam, and he kisses me. And it just was like, okay, I'm a country bumpkin in New Hampshire. And I, I come to the church, I come into my Bible school, I'm like 18, like green, right? Guy comes up and kisses me, like, rah, I'm like, I wanted to like drop him, you know what I'm saying? Like that was not edifying. But I learned, I learned he was, he was just, this is the way he was. It was like a, uh, anyway, this is going to sound the way it sounds, but he was innocent and he just, that's what he did. Anyway, bad example, but true story. Yeah, Aaron. In the Asian culture, if you, if somebody invades you somewhere, if you went, they are like kissing each other, both sides. Yeah. Like if you answer, yeah. there's yeah. a 17 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been in that culture, and you know what happens? I missed. Instead of going right, I went left, and I lip-locked somebody. I was like, whoa. Okay. You hear a funny story? I'm in this park bench in Ukraine. I'm in this park bench in Ukraine, and I'm talking to somebody, okay? I'm talking to somebody and looking to my left, and I put my arm on the right side thinking it was my wife, right? So I'm talking to the person, having a good cup, and I start to, like, pull in thinking it was my wife I want to just kind of bring her close and I just didn't feel like my wife you know and I looked over it's this precious little grandma and I got her close and there she is looking at me like gold teeth like she was loving it 
Anyway, you gotta be... You're gonna be affectionate, just be careful. All right. All right, where did we go with that? Okay, caring for the soul. All right. So, hospitality. We talked about this. Resource B. Yeah, I've done it all wrong in a lot of ways. So a lot of these things are learned by, by sheer embarrassment, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. Okay, so resource B, the three L's of hospitality. So we want people to look, linger, and like. <coughs> Okay, so review this in your own time, but everything is speaking. So as you're building a spiritual community and you're just being authentic, you're not being contrived, you're not trying to be, um, you know, you're not trying to be someone that you're not. You're just relaxed, spirit-filled, full of joy. By the way, if you're on the hospitality department, you're having a bad day, maybe, you know, maybe communicate that so you're not giving your bad day to everyone that comes into the door. Right? That's happened before. People at the door, like, I mean, they got fire coming out of their ears, and it's like, new person's like, hey, what's this place about that? And you got the demon at the door, you know? So if you're having a bad day, then communicate. But we want people, when they're looking, to really see Christ, okay? We want them to see Christ. We want them to linger. This is a big one, okay? To linger. Now, in most churches, when the pastor says amen, people run out of the building like it's the building's on fire, okay? So think about in your spiritual community, if it's a wrap, if it's a gathering at your house, or if it's in a church, how to have people stay and linger. What's, what's something that causes people to linger after the church service? Food, great. What's another one? Wrap, good. Now, a wrap is not another message. That's not a wrap. That's another message. What is a wrap? What is a discussion? Pastor Gary, what's a what's a discussion? I follow up to the sermon of the day. Yeah. Good. Okay. A follow up. Good. But what is it? It is a dialogue. It's a discussion. So I just want to say something about that, which is really important, that maybe the person that's preaching or someone that the preacher delegates has some dialogue questions, right? We want to engage the listeners so they can really process the message, okay? We don't want to preach another 45-minute message to them, okay? That's not a wrap. And that really is overload, actually, right? It's overload. Okay, what's another way for lingering? Linger. What's linger? It means to... For you, like, after the service, we had a, like, for our church, for example, we had a, like, you time. Like, we take the guys, girls, we had a, like, spend somewhere, spend a little bit time after the uh, Sunday service because Sunday is the only day that everybody... That came to church. Okay, good. So it's like the time that if somebody you miss it, it's the time to like spend time with him or her. Okay, good. All right, very good. Maybe an event, right? Maybe the kids are out on the playground, the parents are together, or maybe you go on a hike, or like uh, a dinner is a great idea, right? Like a fellowship dinner. So funny, I asked somebody and in another state, I said, what's your most um, fruitful outreach? 
And you know what they said? Pancake breakfast. I said, great. I said, when was the last time you did a pancake breakfast? Oh, about almost a year ago. I said, why don't you do it again? <laughs> I mean, if it works, then maybe do it again, right? Master what works, right? What's another thing that causes them to linger? Making a conversation with them. Okay, good. Making conversation, right? So how would I do that? Okay, let's say a new, a new family's in the church. How do I approach them without being like, you know, like a football team going in for a tackle, right? How, how do I do that? Okay. Okay, you're in the church. You're in the moment. You walk up and introduce yourself, right? Good. Let's talk, let's role play for a minute. Like, let's say, if you have time, let's do something. You're in the moment. Yeah. You're in the moment with them. So you're leading them to the cafe. Yeah. Okay, let's have... Hey, are you hungry? Let's have a let's have a little bite to eat together. Good. What's another thing we could say? Just trying to find things you relate to. Okay. Maybe. Hey, if you are going to home, I can give the right. Really? That's great. About the message. That's like one of our number one needs in a church. Rides. Ramirez, let's write his name down. I got his name. <laughs> I have a rickshaw in the back. Let's go. <laughs> Linger. We want people to, like I have my son at the door and I call him the pastoral speed bump, you know. He's not so small anymore. But he used to play with my play down on my feet at the door and, and people had to kind of stop and move around him so they wouldn't flip over him. And it gave me a minute to talk to them. So people at the door is very good. Oh, yeah. We got a strategy for this. Linger. Okay, good. And then like it. We want them to, we want God to have enough time to show them something that will help them grow. Okay? Yes. Can you develop more about, you said, uh, in the first point, I think, like, you don't have to change. Yes. Because uh, a lot of times, like, people think uh, they have to change in order to care for people. Mm-hmm. And so it can look, like, a bit mechanical. Yes. And how to avoid that and how to not change, even though, like, on nature is not going f- towards people. Yeah. So, again, you have to be in a place where uh, your gifts are, you have to be in the right place of your gifts. So, let's say you're an introvert and you're asked to be in the hospitality, okay? That might be a little tricky, but, again, we're not living in our personality. We want to operate in our gifts. So, so let's say uh, to be authentic... You know, again, we don't have to contrive, but we can ask simple questions and we can pray and say, God, give me your heart for that person. Give me a way in. Um, We do a lot of praying for people. That's another great way to have people linger. How can I pray for you today? Right. How can I pray for you today? And then actually follow up in a few days and find out how the request was answered or not answered or a way that you can minister. Okay. So, again, we're thinking sometimes things we like to do. I'd say throw that out the window. I would say, what has God called me to do? 
Okay, so maybe I'm not this jolly person, right? But hospitality isn't all smiles and, you know, all teeth. You know what I'm saying? It's it's got to be. If you can be standing there in the lobby, and uh, you could just maybe someone looks like they're lost or someone's kind of sitting alone. Just a simple, hey, thanks for being here today. Hey, do you need anything? It doesn't have to be invasive. It just means intentional. Just glad you're here today. I was in a church, uh, my dad's church up in New England, and literally nobody talked to me. And I was brand new that day. And I actually was initiating conversations with people. And I thought, gosh, if I was an unbeliever or, or a new believer, this would not be a place I'd return to. Everything was immaculate. Programs and beautiful and, I mean, just everything was stellar. Nobody talked to me. So my experience was, wow, uh, I did not have a warm experience, right? Not that we're looking for warm and fuzzies, but, but I want people to talk to me, you know what I'm saying? So I would say this, um, Yvonne, just to say that what is my skill set, okay? So we talked about... Let's look at this, actually, the big picture for a minute. Uh, here it is. Look, resource F. So we talked about inreach. Remember we talked about that? The infrastructure of the church. So there's hospitality, visitation, uh, integration. Remember, we're showing them they have a place. We're loving them into their place. They're learning their place. Let's say they have kids. Right. Let's say they have kids. What would you do to to a family that has a kid? How would you how would you engage them? Because that's the word to engage. What are their names? Okay. Awesome. So I don't know. Would you start like that? You'd start right there. Okay. That's step three. What's step one with a family with kids? Tell them that we have uh, you know, children's ministry or Sunday school. Excellent. That might be a little bit of a softer approach until you start getting into But yes, we want their names. You know, I, hey, I love your hair. I wish my hair could braid that way. I have fun with, like Kia there, I, I have fun with people like that. You know, maybe they think I'm a little strange, but <laughs> I love all the beads, you know. But, you know, you, you have to kind of read that a little bit. Okay, so yes, we have a, we have a, we have a kids program. What else, what else can we say? Teaching for kids. You're teaching for kids, okay? Something at their level. So what are the three things that help people stay in a church? What's the number one thing for people? Kids ministry. Yes. That's exactly right. Unfortunately, that's out of order, but it is very popular. If the kids have a good experience, the parents, right? Right, Kia? It's true? Yeah, if the kids have a good experience, then guess what? The parents will endure it. What's, what, what's really the right order? What's the first thing we want people to fall in love with? The cafe. Wow. Your God is your belly. No. Um, yes, we do. That'll help them linger. But we want them to fall in love with the... Thank you. The message. Now, I, I hate to say it like this, but they may learn to love it, and it may take them time. So I can't expect them to know exactly what Pastor Schaller is saying 100%. By the way, 
it's, this is interesting, psychology here. You have to hear something 37 times to retain 10%. Think about this. 37 times, and you gain 10% of it. That's crazy low. So the more people come, the more, this, this might be, this, this number will grow, right? This number will grow and grow and grow. Okay, so fall in love with the message. What's the second most important thing that people come looking for? Relationship, absolutely. And that's being known. But unfortunately, that is not always the case. And no, electric. Electric electricity for this. Okay, no. I need like a button here. No, we're having fun tonight. People come for the Gary, what do they come for? Be entertained. Yes, they do. I need to sit with Gary. That's terrible. I mean, it's terrible, but it's true. People the the worship. The worship's a big deal, and I get it. But you know what? It's backwards, right? Kids ministry, worship, and then it's the message. It's like, whoa. So in a spiritual community, you know, we're not like chastising people the first day they come. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, love gives lots of room. Like, okay, I recognize that you're needs-oriented. It's all about me, 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 me. I need help with my rent. I need, I need a ride home. I, I need food. I, I need a job. So I get it. Needs orientation, right? And that's okay. Right? So I'm actually giving you a few classes at once here. Needs. There's a needs oriented. Then it's programs. My kids want to go to camp. I have a youth ministry. I have an addiction. Um, I need to, I want small groups. By the way, that's the number one request in our church is small groups. People want to be known. Crowds and, and big places, you're not able to be known. You're just kind of a spectator. We want participators. Okay, needs... So this whole, this whole idea here takes time to move away from that, meeting the natural need to introduce the spiritual need, okay? And this is why uh, in this big picture, we're thinking uh, we have layers of ministry. In reach, we have hospitality for ushers where we're addressing the whole person. By the way, here, here's an exercise. When you're dealing with somebody who has a lot of needs, and within reach, you deal with a lot of needs. Right, Pastor Amir? I mean, it's, it's incredible, actually, right? It's, and we love it, right? Because God's given us the ability. But you want to have, here's the word, a relationship beyond. This is the big word. Beyond the need. Okay? Hey, we have a food bank. Good. Once you come to the food bank, uh, get some food, and let's have a talk. Like, 
Meet the natural need and then initiate the spiritual need. Don't just meet the natural need without the spiritual need. We want a relationship beyond. Because guess what? The needs will never end. They'll never end. They'll never end. <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it's true. No, I mean, no, it's okay. I'm not having a mental breakdown here. <laughs> no, it's okay. But you know what? You know what's amazing? Some of you are not laughing. It's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. It's okay. It's, I've been painting today and the fumes have made me, uh, no. Um, honestly, we must help people get off beyond the needs orientation. And that might take six months, might take a year, maybe. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, guess what? There's other people in the world besides me. Not in no joke, right? Because living with a self-centered life is very miserable. So a relationship that's beyond. I love this. So our welcome center, our mother's room. We have a mother's room for kids, young kids, right? Because we want to address the whole family, right? Programs oriented. Okay, Pastor Amir is working with a new addiction program called Redeem, Redeeming Life. Life, yeah. And it's addressing the whole person. It's awesome. It's going to come out in the new year. It's amazing what he's thinking about. Why? Because we need help. Everyone needs help. And it's the only thing that helps us is the Bible, the body. That's where the transformation comes from. Because it's, it's so funny. I mean, you can, you can just meet that person's need all day long, and guess what? There'll be another need. So, okay, so let's say I'm taking someone to the grocery store, meeting the need. What's my conversation in the car? Okay, let me ask you. How do I have a relationship beyond the need? I'm taking someone to the grocery store. How do I build a relationship beyond the grocery store? Okay, share a devotional thought. Good. Andrew. What's God doing in your life? Good. Yeah. What God, what's God doing in your life? Initiate, engage. Initiate, engage. Don't just be an Uber driver. You know what I'm saying? A spiritual Uber driver. And I love Uber, right? Or Lyft or however you want to taxi. It's like we meet the natural, and then we initiate and engage the spiritual. What's another thing? Okay, picking up someone's medication. How do I have a relationship beyond the medication? How can I pray for you? Good. How can I pray for you? Remember, people are not used to being engaged spiritually. They're not used to it. What's another thing? Let's say we're... Uh, what's another example? Oh, moving. By the way, we love moving people, by the way. We love that. So how do we have a relationship beyond the move? Boyette, how do we do it? Moving uh, from one house to the other. Somebody asks for help moving. Hey, that, that, that home is close to the church. <laughs> what? <laughs> just, 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 no, 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 just, what did he say? I don't even know. <laughs> he wants to move close to the church. Yeah. Oh. 
So let's say someone is so overwhelmed with their need, we want them to see the big picture. We want them to see beyond their need. Love is moving them forward. We want to, we're speaking value. Like, like, let's say moving is one of the most stressful things in a person's life. So we're initiating maybe prayer. We have a couple of people with us. There's joy. It's like, hey, listen, this is a new chapter in your life. We're initiating maybe just vision. We're just, we're just listening to them. And, and again, I like what Yvonne said. It's not like we're trying to be like Dr. Phil over here. Like we're not trying to be a super Christian. We're just relaxed. We're listening, praying, and loving, and uh, ministering. Amen? Amen? All right. So that's, that's kind of a big deal. Any questions on that? Yes. Um, we talked about like uh, hospitality towards someone who's new. Yes. And usually the who is alone in this scene, uh, in this role play in a sense. What do we do when they are coming because they have been invited by some friends, or what do we do when we invited them? Actually. What do you do? Because we, we don't have only the person that came, but we also have uh, the person that brought them. Oh, okay. Nearby them, or, or maybe we are this person. So is it different in a sense? Should we be acting differently? Or? If I understand the question, you're, you're in hospitality, somebody comes, they have a guest with them, you're addressing the guest and the person that brought them? That's the question. What do we That's do? correct, yes. Okay. Yeah, you want to remember hospitality is all about inclusion, right? So you're including both parties as much as you can. Now, I would say this. It's like we're not going to be like a helicopter. Do you know what I mean by a helicopter parent? It's the same thing like we're not going to be like trying to control every venue here. We want to guide them, point them. And uh, in the pr next class, by the way, the next class will be by video because we're going to be out of... Um, uh, out in a pastor's conference, but we want to talk about team building. So this is huge. Like you have a team with you with your same like-mindedness, but diversity. There's diversity with like-mindedness. So you're guiding them and your team is facilitating and helping them get to a place where they can have a conversation. They can learn about the events of the church. Um, they can... We get their telephone number. We schedule a time next week to meet with them for coffee. Um, but we address, we address everyone in front of us as much as we can. Does that help you? Yes, Aaron. And also, we, we, we cannot please everybody. True. That's not our purpose, actually. Correct. We have a program. We, our, message, our main purpose is to bring people to the Christ, to share Christ, to love them, to know them, to care about them. But at the same time, it should be different views, different peoples. So Absolutely. We need to open to them and just like, you know, the Christ, and then we will just share and love, and they will attend. That's it. We, can, we don't need to please everybody. Yes. And that's an important point. That's absolutely not our objective, right? We want to include everybody. Like, I had a conversation with somebody today, a very interesting conversation, someone that's been in the church a long time. And, um, they said that they've been battling a, uh, a projection for the last three months because they're an older person. And they said, well, now that the church is, there's so many young people in the church, I feel so out of place. Mm -hmm. And this person was actually thinking about leaving the church mm -hmm. 
and finding a church with older people. Okay? Now think about that for a minute. I was listening to this person, and he's a dear friend, and I just was reminded again, wow, we just need to slow down and make sure we're engaging people. What would you say to that person? An older person, they're looking around, they see all this young people being used. By the way, which is awesome because that's the future of the church. And without young people, without them being engaged, the church will die. What would you say to them? Pastor Mir, what would you say to that person? I was thinking... And they've been in the church for forever, actually. And I, and I heard that, yes. Uh, I was thinking maybe they should get out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like, really talking with young people is very good. It's, you see, you hear a lot of uh, wisdom from the young people nowadays in our church. Mm-hmm. And they're on fire. They're good. on fire with God. And to be with them, be around with them. Is, maybe you needed that. I mean, maybe he needed it. He maybe uh, went to a lot of mission field, but this is like very helpful for him uh, to step out of that where, you know, talking to the young adult in the church. Good. So Pastor Amir would exhort him, which is very good. What's another thing we could say? Yeah. Um, You know, I might give that, you know, older person a responsibility. Okay. The church so that, you know... They can get involved, you know, on this um, young adults. Okay, a call to action. Excellent. What's another thing? We're missing kind of a big one. Those are both right answers. The unity in the church. Pardon? Unity. Unity? In the church. I think something like that. Okay. Because, like, if somebody feels that he's alone and the church is young and I'm old, I need to leave. It might be that people is thinking something wrong, he need to uh, think about something, or the church didn't really realize that people is like dismissed. Yeah, they, they, they didn't realize that, that issue. So that, okay. that might be a different view of that solution. Okay. Gary? I would ask him, like, why are you coming to church? Are you receiving? Oh, okay. Are you, well, you know, is it good. Now, I don't, your answers are good, but that's the first point. Like, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your heart? What are the five levels of the church? What are the five people groups in the church? Elders, Yeah, in order, just so I can remember. Nope, that's the last one. Teens, 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 are cre- incredibly invaluable in your church. Why? Why are they so important? Experience. Yes. They have experience and wisdom. So this person, I began to engage them like, okay, what's going on in your heart? Yes, they're not involved. Yes, 
They're, they've forgotten who they are. And I began to share with that person, I said, there is no greater time than now that you're in this church to come out of your comfort zone to pour your life and love into another young person. Because the youth are awesome, but oftentimes they do not know what they're doing. And that's okay. We love that passion or zeal. Zeal is dangerous in one regard because you can be, it's like driving down the, it's like driving down the highway at a hundred and like a buck twenty and the road, the road ends, right? That's what happens. Like, where do you go? But with a wisdom, right? The wisdom has the experience when to be passionate and when to be um, careful. So engage them, make it personal. Say, hey, what's going on in your heart? What, what happened? Maybe an event happened. Maybe they were told no. They wanted to start an outreach and the leadership said no. That's tough for people. Leadership says no sometimes. So, you know, the projection is like, wow, am I needed? Am I valued? By the way, more importantly than what you can do, we're first a what? What are we first? We're first a, we're first a body member. Whatever title you have in front of your name, that's great. But you're first a body member, right? So I said to this person, I said, I said, I just want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you, right? I want to challenge you, you know? And we identified this. We identified spiritual warfare in that person's life. And by the end of our conversation, there was a lot of joy, right? So... This is kind of something that's really, as we pray for our churches and our people in our churches, we, we begin to understand, like, wow, people are going through things that maybe we don't realize, right? And yeah. also, we cannot say maybe why the first point of, like, we came in church because of, I mean, in the church, we have a, like, social life as well. Yes. And we cannot ignore that part as well. Like, if some people really feel alone, maybe because we don't have the same age group, I mean, uh, yeah, we cannot say that you have a lack of faith, but at the same time... Okay, second half. You ready? Yes. You got your game face on? Yes. Andrew, flying airplanes, jumping out of airplanes. This guy is fearless. All right, so now I want to talk about cultivating connections. So uh, Boyette asked a very good question. Let's say... You're talking to somebody there for first time, and they have a lot of expectations, and maybe you don't have the answers to meet their expectations. Here's something I want you to always remember, right? People know what they want. Oh, do they ever know what they want, right? They do not know what they need. All right? Right? I want to sleep for a week, really. Now, a lot of people come into the church with a consumer mindset. So maybe we don't have a small group in their area. Maybe we don't have um, free donuts or whatever. By the way, that's a big deal. Um, <laughs> so we always encourage people, hey, listen, come seven times. Just take the time, discover us, discover us. In discovering us, maybe you'll figure out we're what you need. Or 
maybe we're not. And God moves you on. And by the way, we're not the only church in town, right? We certainly want people to stay if God wants them here, right? So I always tell people, and remember, the first time can be a little awkward, right? It can be a little scary. So come again. Just come again. We're always cultivating connections for the second visit. Hey, you know what? I want you to, maybe the next time you come, we have this table over here. We have lunch with pastor after the Sunday morning service. You sit with your pastor. I had one lady, I'll never forget it. She goes, brand new in the church. She goes, you guys open your Bible in the church. And I'm like, yes. I mean, I was kind of like saying, what, you know, where did you just come from, right? It's unbelievable, isn't it? The church can really be uh, not a place uh, where the Bible's at the center. So we always invite them, say, hey, listen, you know what? Come have, a, have lunch with our pastor the next time. Or we have a new believers class called Grow Deeper. And I would, uh, small groups is going to be in our next conversation here, but small groups, they, people want to be known. People will stay as they develop relationships. Relationships. We were just saying in Frederick, right? People, and I think someone said something about being social. People, we're social people, and that's nothing wrong with that but we want to just do it around the right center, right? We don't want this to be like, um, you know, some, some club or click, right? So come, just come again. Come and see, right? So that's just something important to kind of uh, emphasize. So I want to give you three words here that help us uh, understand personal, meaningful contact. Because again, um, we're building bridges. We're building bridges, right? We're building bridges. Now, again, you know, people that come into your sphere, you know, I want to be careful in my language. I don't want to have too much of a churchy language. Do you understand? I don't want to have like King James English to the people, right? <laughs> Thou shalt not. Okay. I mean, I, I'm being kind of funny here, but. And I'm not saying we have to be like, you know, we just have the language of love, right? We listen, love, and it's really impression. You only have one time to make, you don't have a second chance to make a first impression. 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 That doesn't mean we're going to be super church, but we're a loving church. We're a friendly church. We are a caring church. Um... Yeah, and that's why people love Pastor Schaller, because, uh, you know, they've really not met anyone like him before, maybe. <laughs> He's got such an awesome spirit. So love, if there's one thing that we want to be the impression, and that's love, and that can be very simple. You know, we're not passing out gas cards, but we can sit and have a donut, and or we can just open Scripture and say, hey, what, what spoke to you in the message? I love asking that. What spoke to you in the message today? Well, I, I don't know why people were raising their hands. Okay, nothing to do with the message, but it was just something. And it's like, okay, you know. And it's like, what spoke to you? So it's like, well, raising our hands is a, is a symbol of our heart in worship to God. Really? That's interesting. Why are people taking notes when the pastor's talking? 
Well, because they want to typically remember what the pastor's saying. You know, maybe they want to look it up. We encourage people not just to take our word for it, but to go to the Bible and be like the Bereans. Hmm. Uh, what, what's another question that you've heard? I've heard a lot of questions. But what's, what's a question you had? Maybe Kat or Kia. Do you guys want to, what's a question you had in your first impression? Or anybody me. that you asked? Oh, that I asked. Yeah. Um, I think one of the first questions I asked was, uh, how long has the church been around? Okay, good. That was the first question. Wait. One of them I asked. Okay, that's a good question. So the question is, you're in a service, and you're just kind of seeing the church for the first time. What was a question that you came away with? Anybody? Gary? Okay, that's a big one. Yes. Way too happy here. Yeah. We all drank the Kool-Aid. No. Uh, Pastor Olu, what's a question somebody may ask you? Or you may have asked. Well, I can ask what's the impression that the individual have about the message. Okay. You may point about the message and the atmosphere generally. Good. I also remember asking somebody what was so special about this church that you're here. Okay, good. Wow, that's a great question. So are you here to defend the church? Just asking. Are you here to defend Jesus? No. Are you here to defend the Bible? No. Yes. No to all of those questions. Mm. Why? Because Jesus can defend himself, the Bible can defend himself, and the church can defend themselves. What are we here for? We are, we are presenters, not posers. We are presenters. Why do I say that? Because people will pick different things apart in their impression because they don't understand it. So you don't want to come off defensive. What's wrong with you? Like, this is how it's done, right? <laughs> Like I had somebody rebuke me saying there was no tongues in the church, so the Holy Spirit's not in the church. Wow. I'm like, hmm, that's very interesting. So you're saying the Holy Spirit was, I just talked back. So you're saying the Holy Spirit wasn't in our assembly today. That's right, I didn't hear. And they're like amped, right? No, I don't, we don't want to feed into that. But we say, you know, how would you answer somebody that comes off like very self-righteous? What would you say to them? Okay, that's what you don't do. No? <laughs> Daniel, whoa! Let me ask you again, are we defending the Bible? No, this is kind of an edgy thought. It's very important. Are we defending the Bible? No. Are we defending the church? No. Are we defending the Lord? No. We are presenting God's heart. So what do we do? Comes down time. If someone's rebuking about the Holy Spirit, this is what I do. I say, hey, can you show me a verse in the Bible that you can help me understand this? Show me a verse in the Bible. Guess what? 
they won't be able to show you a clear verse in the Bible. Oh, I, you know, oh, and they give, show me a verse in the Bible. I'm telling you, that is a great way to turn. And just remember your tone. Remember, this is a big thing about communication. I'm running out of room here. 8% is content, 38% is tone, and 55% is body language. You're relaxed. Criticism's good. We're chill, and we take it on the chin and say, hey, thank you for saying that. Now, show me in the Bible where you come up with that. Okay? What's another thing? Again, you're not being combative. You're not being defensive. That pushes people away. But you're also not condoning it. You're not sitting there saying, oh, you're right, and being a whipping pole and a um, welcome mat. No. We want them to understand where we stand, so we're presenting the heart of Christ, the heart of the Bible, the heart of the church. And sometimes we say to people, hey, I'm sorry you got the wrong impression today. Our heart is, the Holy Spirit is the most important part of this meeting. Without the Holy Spirit, we're all just going to go home, right? So criticism, we listen to the critic and we help them understand. Some, some people are not going to be winnable, right? We just say, hey, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Feel that way, right? Where's that in the Bible? I love, I love to see that. Tell me about, here's another question. Tell me about your church history, What's your church history about? Sometimes you answer their question with another question. What's your church history? Have you had a bad experience in church? Oh, yeah, the last three churches, I, you know. It's like, okay. So we're dealing with a de-churched, dissatisfied person that really may have their ears off and they're wounded, right? So we're presenting God's heart, presenting the heart of the Bible, presenting the heart of the church. So that's our expression. We go from impression to expression, okay? And this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We should probably open the Bible, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 25 through 27. How you express. If I'm coming off like, you know, fire, and and I'm like the defender of the faith, uh, I want you to understand what I mean by that. Apologetics is very important, but we are presenting the truth. We are answering the question. We are lifting up Christ. We are not persuading people. Oh my Lord, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. Right? People will misunderstand you. They'll misunderstand and misconstrue what you say. But guess what? Your expression is graceful in Acts 11, 23. I remember watching Pastor Schaller in a meeting where the person yelled at him for 30 minutes. I mean, I could, this was a while ago, and it took a lot for me to not tackle the person because I was so upset. This is, this is a long time ago. But I saw Pastor Schaller just be very quiet, very humble, and his expression was very meek. And he let the person unload on him, which is very rare. But you know what happened to that? 
pastor began to open his mouth after the person vented. And pastor just said a couple of words, and he was very humble. He said, I'm very sorry that you took, a, you took that wrong uh, impression or that wrong understanding. That was not my heart. And as pastor began to talk, the person began to cry. The person began to cry. And the, end, the meeting ended with, with repentance and uh, a beautiful embrace. But my expression, right? It's an expression of grace. And then succession, right? Succession is truth. That we want people to understand above all, not to like me. Someone said, you know, liking is not the uh, objective here. It's truth is received. Truth is understood, okay? So impression, expression, succession. We want people to follow on to know the truth, right? Amen? Amen. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about, let's talk for a minute about follow-up. Okay, follow-up. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter is very excellent about the body of Christ. <clears throat> let, me, let me say this. We want to follow up to follow through. Okay? Now, I want to look at this uh, visitation guidelines for a minute, okay? And, uh, by the way, let me ask you a question. If someone comes to your church... What is your next step of action? They come to your church, they fill out a card, and then Sunday's over. What are, how are you going to follow up to follow through? Because let me say this. Why would God give you new people if you're not going to care about the people that have already come through your doors? Okay. So what do you do? Call them. Up. Call them. How important is a phone call, Andy? Very. If they don't answer the phone, what do you do? Leave a message, short message, one message. We're not email bombing them. We're not calling them all hours of the night. You didn't call me back, right? No. Voicemail, short and concise. We have Pastor Olu calling all of our contacts in our church that are African. I think there's 300 contacts. And he's ministering to them, right? Cultivating contacts. Good. What, what, what's the second thing that we do? This is right on the board. <laughs> welcome email. Go to welcome email. Okay. How'd you know that? Okay. <laughs> so email is, I have more people responding to emails than they are calls at times. What do you put in your welcome email? Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Fantastic. What else do you put in your welcome email? An invitation again. Invitation. Excellent. A call to action. Good. What's another thing you, you do? Big one. I hope you enjoyed the message. Okay. Encouragement. We said that. What, 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 do, we, what do we want to know from them? Yeah. What did they like? So oftentimes in the welcome, I put a survey. I put a survey. And we say in so many words... Thank you for coming. We want to welcome you back. Um, we give them some sort of gift, like maybe it's a, a coffee or a lunch or something. But a survey, if you fill out the survey, ask, you know, answer these three or four questions, we will send you a gift, right? Okay, very important. We're giving extravagant generosity, right? 
What's a welcome card? A welcome card. Do you know that people over 50 in your church, the age of 50, usually are not um, internet savvy? It's just the way it is. A card, tactile, they want paper. So sending a card, mailing a card, right? Or on visitation, you're presenting a card with a letter from Pastor Shallery, your pastor saying, again, thank you for coming, right? These are layers of follow-up. And then a, a personal visit. And I want to talk about visitation for a minute, okay? Visitation. I know we were joking last class about visits, about being countercultural. What did we say? What did we say about countercultural visits? Be unpredictable. Be unpredictable. Very good. Okay. Be unpredictable. Now, you can call and set up a visit, but I would say most of the time, you'll probably not be able to visit that person there'll be some sort of excuse so what do you do just show up okay now that's very kind of countercultural, right especially in our world right our what do you do so what we are recommending and we touched about this last class is we show up with a gift right typically we show up with this packet and inside the packet is things that they can learn about and connect with and a reason to come back. Not only a reason, but to remind them of the experience that they had. How quickly the devil removes the memory of the events that happened, right? It's crazy. So a call, thank you for coming. How can I pray for you? What touched you in the service? This is my name. If you need anything, call me back. We're here for you, okay? A card, someone gets in the mail, like, wow. I remember when I first moved into, my, into the neighborhood I live in, the church, I live behind a church, they wrote me a handwritten letter. When was the last time you received a handwritten letter? Long time ago, okay? That, I thought to myself, okay, this person spent 20 minutes writing me this letter. They don't even know me. I, it just left an impression, right? Okay. Uh, email. Let's say busy, busy time. People are running around. They get an email. Thank you for coming. Uh, this is what's happening next. Let's meet and have a chat. Okay. Very, very important. Okay. So a pastoral visit or, or a visit is, uh, is so key. So Ezekiel 3.15, let's look at this together. Now... We're going to talk about this next class, but building visitation teams. I would say this. Outreach, like we heard last week, is like casting out the net. Casting out the net. You bring them in. Discipleship is what keeps them in your church. Okay? So visits are very important to go and sit where they sit. Meet the rest of their family, maybe. Uh, and we've had all kinds of interesting uh, times where we've surprised people. Now, we're not asking for a whole lot of their time. We're not asking to go in their house. 
We simply show up on their porch, and this is pretty much how it goes. Hey, we're from the church. Thank you for visiting with us on Sunday. It meant a lot to us. You took time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Here's a gift for you. And they're like, they're kind of like, oh, okay, you know. How can we be praying for you this week? Maybe they give us a prayer request, maybe they don't. Maybe they're excited to see us, maybe they're not. But it's quick, and it's like the tip of the spear. It's like a pinprick that we would just come and spend five minutes. And maybe it turns into 25 minutes. Maybe in some cases it turns into two hours. And maybe it turns into nothing. The issue isn't anything except that you took a step and said, I remember you. I'm reminding you of the good experience you had and that we're here for you when you want us, okay? Visitation, very, very important, okay? Uh, so, so let's just look at this again. So uh, we're, we're looking for that, that FaceTime or that personal uh, connection. That's why the Grow Deeper, the small group, is a great way to encourage people to come back. Maybe Bible school, right? Free classes, just another excuse to come and rehearse what God's doing in your life, okay? We want to uh, find out what they're interested in. Let's say, um, let's say uh, someone is, is uh, raising a family and they just need other like-minded believers in their family, uh, around them to help them raise their family, right? Maybe, again, they're needs-oriented. They need a job. They're, like, looking for a healthy community to help give them suggestions. So that's we do the, the first week. There's a lot that happens in that first week. And, and believe me, I don't want this to be overwhelming, thinking that we're chasing that person. So it's, it's, it's within 24 hours we're visiting their house. 24 hours. We have a team on Mondays and Thursday that go out. And, again, it's very... It's very relaxed but intentional. It's like, thank you for coming. Here's a gift, right? And then they get the email. And we've had, it's so funny. We, uh, I remember visiting one gentleman, and he was a pastor of another church. And I showed up at his door, and he goes, he goes, you know what? He says, I want you to come to my church and train my staff on how to, how to do follow-up. Because uh, I go to your church on sabbatical, and uh, our church is not even doing this, you know? I mean, it's kind of like, wow, like, why wouldn't someone uh, want that kind of attention? And again, I want to kind of balance it by saying we're not overbearing, but we're intentional. Amen. Visitation, by far, is how you build your church. By far. Because you use nine different gifts when you visit. You discover people and ways to invite them into growing. Okay. All right. So um, there's a lot we could say there. So let's say, let's say someone comes to your church and they're interested in Bible school. Okay, that's rare. But let's say someone is really on fire. Let's say you're talking to a new person. They say, I'm looking for a church. What do you do with that kind of person? Okay, there's, there's different kinds of people. You have the cold. You have the warm. And then you have the hot Cold, kind of like a deer in headlights. You know, where am I? Who am I? Who are you? Warm. I think I know God. I, I, you know, I, 
kind of experiencing, you know, needs and crises in my life, and I think I should go to church because my parents told me I needed to go to church years ago, and then hot, I want to be a missionary. I want to, I want to go to Bible school. I want to, I want to pour my life into God. How would you follow up these people? Talk to me. The cold person. What would you do? Okay, love them. Spend time. Okay. Spend time. So how would you do that, Eva? Small groups or even invitations like, I don't know, a dinner or something like that. Okay, you said the, you said the key word. Invitation. Good. What about the warm? Let them like share the, teach them the, the uh, their identity into the Christ, their identity in the Christ. Okay. Because they, they're struggling with uh, some decision. That, like God wants to bring them to a place that they make decisions. Okay. Thank you. Yes. I want you to turn to Matthew 25 for a minute. You must be reading my notes. Okay, Matthew 25, 35. Okay, invitation, fellowship. What about the hot tamale? What are you going to do with the hot tamale? Training. Okay, training. I like it. Bible schools and rap sessions. Good. This is where you spend your time. This is where you spend your time. I would say spend your time all of these places, but I would put this one, two, three priority. How do you, um, uh, how's it go? You manage your time by managing your, very good. That's the only way for time management. Priorities, okay? I'm looking for a church. I'm calling that person right away. And I don't want to be too eager, but I want to spend my time here. Yes, here. We'll have some fellowship. Hey, why don't you come to prayer this week? Uh, our, our staff gets together for prayer on Tuesdays. Just invite them for prayer. Let's see if they show up, first of all. Right? If they show up, in my mind, they're serious. They're serious. Okay. Aaron. Also, uh, I think we need to discern that uh, in that group it should be from the God because sometimes we think that he's cold or wrong. We spend too much time on the, the hot one, but then absolutely become empty. Okay, good point. Very good point. So, absolutely. This can flip. This can flip. In your church, surprisingly, and this is another class we didn't have time for, but there's what's called the um, the fringe. Believe it or not, that's 70% of your church. The fringe, which means people that are not connected or really understand what's truly going on in your church. I'd say 70%. There's 20%, which is your nucleus, which are more, you know, they come twice a week, 
They, they have an understanding of what's going on. And then your disciples, which is your core, and this is where the training happens to invest in your other, with your other, other uh, parts of your church. A lot of people try to spend a lot of time with a fringe, right? Do you understand what I mean by that? So I have a, I have a resource on this. So identifying who's who, and then maybe someone just needs a little bit of time, and they're going to be, they're going to be warm and on fire, right? But the hot is usually the disciples, and that's less than ten percent of your church. I listened to one message from Pastor um, from Pastor Stephen. It was says the the guy who shame or seems the cold, and that's the guy that God is gonna use it. Amen. We hope so. We absolutely hope so. All right, Matthew 25, 35. And it's interesting, Erhan, you say that because the guy you think is going to be amazing may not be amazing. But, but I would say the hot person maybe is the teachable person, the humble person. I'm not looking for talent. I'm not looking for the superstar. I'm looking for the Hungry heart, the broken heart. So the cold, I don't want to convince anybody to come to my church. You're welcome here if you want to be here. But the warm and the hot, that can, in your dialogue, in your conversation, you'll hear cues like good questions. You're going to hear hunger, hunger, interests. So just keep feeding that, okay? All right, who wants to who wants to read Matthew 25, 35 through 40? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me. And you didn't clothe me, you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous were answering, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothing you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Excellent. I can't tell you how many times I don't have enough fingers and toes, I don't have enough room on the blackboard of how many people that have said to me I have visited many churches and you're the first church that came out and visited me. I cannot tell you how many. It's, it's thousands. So I'm not saying we're anything great, but I'm saying follow-up is everything to get people to come back into your church. Okay. So I'm very passionate about it. Let's look at Acts 2020. Acts 2020. Let's read that together. Um, Pastor Olu, can you read Acts 2020 for me, please? So again, it's not it's not like one size fits all. We're listening, learning, loving. Maybe we're on their porch and you know the person's stressed out because they just lost their job, or maybe maybe they got a Tesla in the parking lot and they're doing great. It's like, what's my message to them? What's my message? You need the you need the body of Christ. You need the Lord. I'm here as a bridge builder, right? 2020. 
and how I kept back nothing that was profitable to you. But I've shipped you and I've taught you publicly and from house to house. There it is. What's he doing? He's going house to house. Right, we're not Jehovah Witnesses, right? We go two by two, right? I always tell people, they say, are you Jehovah Witnesses? I said, I don't dress that good. I don't look that good to be a Jehovah Witness. <laughs> okay, that's 2020. All right, <laughs> Hebrews 13, 2. I have fun with people. I had a lady tell me one time, the last time a pastor came to my house was when I missed my tithe. I thought, oh my Jesus, bless you, dear. I don't want your money. Yeah, can you believe it? It's, it's, it's tragic. Hebrews 13, 2. Who wants to read that? Follow-up is not complicated. Remember, a train can only move on a track. So a call, an email... Um, an invitation, a fellowship, and then again, time. I met a guy just last service, Travis, beautiful guy, came with Pastor Butch. He's sitting out in the, in the parking lot in our, in our picnic tables. He's reading his Bible after church. I said, ooh, that's interesting. I sat down with him and said, hey, Travis. Or I didn't know who it was. Outside. I said, hey, glad to see you in church today. He goes, yeah, I'm just reading this scripture and it's speaking to my heart. So we sat down and talked about the scripture. So Travis, oh, how, again, what questions? You're asking what questions that open them up, get them talking. Travis, what is, what is speaking to your heart about that passage? What is it that ministered to you today? What is it that brought you here today? Who brought you here today? The greatest... Okay, don't lose this. The greatest killer, the greatest cold water on a hot flame. You know what it is? Over-talking. Over-talking. So if someone is trying to talk and share, we listen to learn. We do not listen to reply. Okay, big, big thing here. Say, Pastor Ramirez, for the first time, I'm like, wow. Hi, my name is Jason. I don't even introduce myself as a pastor. Again, we're, we're trying to make, we're trying to be um, approachable. So I don't start with titles and all this. Say, hey, my name is Jason. What's your name? From here. Hey, great to have you today. Do you enjoy the service? Yeah. Okay, what spoke to you about today's service? So let's say Ramir is talking to me and sharing with me, okay? And I'm listening. I'm listening. He's talking and I'm listening. That means I'm quiet. I'm actually looking and listening. If I'm listening to learn, I'm not quick to answer. I'm not quick to correct. Let's say they bring up something that's off. I'm not there to correct them yet because love, the equity of love gives me the permission to correct. That means until I've had time to love and listen, I'm not going to correct them. We've had people, we've had Muslims in our small groups, right? And they're, they, you know, we don't give them lots of time to talk, obviously. It's a controlled environment. 
But they said some pretty crazy stuff. But the third week they came back, we led them to Christ in our small group, in footsteps. We led them to Christ. Why? Because we were listening to learn and not to quickly reply. Over-talking, over-arching. Uh, over, uh, Do you understand what I'm saying? This is going to be tough for us because we know a lot. We want to quickly correct. But I'm telling you, hold back. Hold yourself back. Over-talking kills it, right? Anyway, does that make sense? Yes. Okay, 13.2, uh, what are we doing here? 13.2, who's got it? Kia, go ahead. Uh, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by, so doing, for by so doing some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Okay, interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Entertaining strangers. So... In inReach, in inReach, uh, oh, there's a lot of things I could say. I'm just trying to condense this. Okay, so Pastor Schaller, the head pastor, goes out every Saturday and he visits people that have come to the church within the last two weeks. Okay, so with your visitation, okay, you are focusing on the people that have come in the last two weeks, okay? Let's say there's not homes, or let's say there's been no response. We are gonna follow up with them in two weeks, within two weeks, okay? But we do not go after people that are more than three months. Let's say somebody comes and we've not heard back from them in three months. What we typically do is we just simply invite them to an event by email or by call, and we let them go. We let people go. If people are serious about your church, you will know within the first three weeks. And that's why the bulk of your calls, emails, cards, and visitations must happen within the first two weeks. This is what's called prompt, being prompt. We have a small army in our inreach. We're all about contacting, cultivating contacts, and creating contacts. We're not overbearing, but we're intentional. Okay? But if, if there's no response then guess what? We pray for them and let, we're not like calling them four and five months later. So when people, when people fill out a card, they give us their email, it actually goes into what's called our, our church program that, that auto-generates a broadcast email of events. Broadcast email means everyone's email goes into our system and it's an it's a email that says, hey, the next event is our Thanksgiving potluck. We invite you. Our next event is Harvest Day. Our next event is the flea market. Our next event is the, the church nativities. We invite you. So I, I know we're going, we're going to spend two more minutes here. My number one point is <clears throat> these are the two number one connections with follow-up. Because again, 
Remember this, you know the principle of the six-shooter? Anybody know anything about guns? What's special about a six-shooter? <laughs> it has six bullets, okay? <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> we don't shoot all our bu- bullets. We don't shoot all our bullets at once. So as we're listening to learn, not quick to talk about the 25 things we're doing in our church, we want to talk about one or two things or three things that's applicable to them. And then we are our first, our first, we want them back in service. And then we want them to be part of a small group. And then we want to connect with them for fellowship. I often give my personal cell phone number. Often I do that. I say, hey, here's my number after our conversation. Let's connect for lunch this week. Hey, let's, uh, you know, maybe I text them and say, hey, I'm praying for you today. You're on my mind. So, anybody know what time our services are? What, what time's our services? 6.30, good. What about Wednesdays? 7. Do you know how rare it is to have a midweek service? How rare do you think that is? It's very rare. Yeah, I, I, I guess the same. Small group. Have a new believer or a new orientation class. Grow deeper. We have written probably 15 different small group curriculums. Okay? They're, I can give them to you. They're, we use them in Philadelphia. We've used a bunch of them here. We just built our statement of faith. Seven footsteps we used for 12 years. And then personal connection. Awesome. Any questions? <laughs> Choking on the chalk. Visitation. Great. Give them a reason to come back. Amen? Okay. And prayer, right? Prayer is huge. So visitation guidelines. Did I even get that? Did I even, is that the one I was just talking about? Okay. Any questions? Really? No questions? That means I talk too much. There's no questions. There's, I talk too much. No questions, really? Okay, tell me something that touched you tonight, real quick. What spoke to you tonight? Emmanuel. Expression of grace that we can show. Okay, good. Oh, that's good. What else? Daniel. Um, Follow up is everything. Yes. Good. Did you have that experience in California? Not at all. Not at all. I didn't have this message of grace in California. Mm. Mm. Andrew. Andrew's a discipler. Wherever we drop him, people here. What spoke to you? Tell me something that means. urgency of visiting them within 24 hours. That's just a 
talk next week about maybe it's not you, but it's your team, right? Good. Gary. Uh, Matthew 25, 35. Hmm. Excellent. You're visiting Christ. You might be visiting the next Billy Graham. Yeah, play it. Yeah, like when you said, you know, we're not defending the church or the Bible. Yeah. You know, we just show them I'm glad you caught that. I mean, some people, we just all of a sudden become Joan of Arc or something like that. You know, like, it's like, whew. I mean, I'm not going to let you rail Pastor Schaller in front of me. That's, that's something different, right? That's way different. Like, we'll shut you down in two seconds, you know? But it's like we want to just really, we're, we're lifting up Christ, right? John 12, lift me up, I'll do, I will draw all men. Erhan, what was something? Anything? I think to, to, love, to loving people, uh, but uh, like when we doing um, follow-up, uh, is not work. We need to understand that. And this mm -hmm. is important. Because we, have a, we are talking with the people, and we, we all the time need to understand that. What's the behind the people? Mm -hmm. and, uh, what is the behind, what they are struggling, mm -hmm. and pray, and we are not put also Holy Spirit in the box. We are praying and we are, Holy Spirit will lead us, give wisdom to us, and then I think it makes sense. I, I sometimes do this, I have a, I have a, um, a pad of paper, or a whiteboard, I just write down names of people that, are, that have really spoken to my heart that, that are on fire, like I keep a track of them. Or people that like on the phone that have expressed like a serious prayer request. I want to follow up and remember them and see the end of the matter. You know, hey, can you pray for my mom? She's in the hospital. I want to call back in 24 to 48 hours and just say, hey, I've been praying for you. And I want to be praying. I don't want to lie to them and say I'm not praying. But then genuinely say, how's your mom? That's care, right? Yeah, Kia, you're the last one. Love does not demand change. Yes. That's not original with me. That's, uh, yeah. Amen. It produces, it produces change. Love looks forward. Amen. Lord, bless us tonight. Fill us with your heart for people. In Jesus' name, amen.